Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, ballers. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Now, a few things before we get into today's episode. First off, if you have not already done so, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to the show on so that you're always in the know and you don't miss a future episode. We've got such great guests on the show this season. We've had such great past guests, so go check out those episodes as well. Next, we recently kicked off the football season, and you guys know that I also recently launched the Move the Ball Merchandise Fall Collection. There is a link in the show notes so you can get your swag, check out the merch and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. And lastly, if you follow me on social media, you've probably seen me post things about the progress of launching my new book called Dominate the Game, How Life Changes When You Show Up. So things are, like I said, moving along with that. If you want to be kept apprised and be with me on my journey, get some behind the scenes looks and some, I guess, insider previews of what's in the book then join me on the journey by going to www.dominateandmove.com. There is a link in the show notes as well. And get on the mailing list and you'll be in the know as as to the progress of it. And you'll also get some freebies along the way. So check out the show notes is the, the point of all of that and check out those links. All right, we are going to move along to today's episode. I've got a great guest with us today inside the huddle and ready to talk about his experiences, his perspectives, his insights is Johnny Walker. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here with us today. Let me just share a little bit about your background for our listeners. So Johnny is a retired NFL running back who played college football at the University of Texas at Austin. He was drafted by the then St. Louis Cardinals in the ninth round of the 1984 NFL draft, where he played from 1984 to 1987. Johnny has been involved in a number of business ventures beyond football, including being a day trader, being a business consultant, having his own business as a used car sales owner. So we'll talk about all of that. And also, he is currently the president of the NFL alumni chapter in Austin. So we're going to talk about all those things on today's episode. All right, Johnny, are you ready to move the ball? Let's do it. So one of the things we talk about on the show, so we do talk about some sports in some regard, but we also talk about business and branding. And one of the things that you have become known as is Johnny Sky Walker. So how did that name came to be? That's part of your brand. So tell us about the origin of that nickname. Well, that came about my freshman year at the University of Texas by playing for the, I believe, eight and two Longhorns in 1980. During practice one day, there was track going on and the high jump bar was at about, I believe, seven foot. And I guess most of the guys, maybe including the coaches, most of the coaches, at least Fred Akers, the head coach, knew that I was a state high jump champion. And so 
we had finished practice, took our pads off, still had our bottom pads on, and told Coach Cleveland Price, who was the one-time Olympic coach, track coach, I said, Coach Price, I said, I can jump that. And Coach Eckler says, let me see you do it, Walker. So I high jumped seven foot in my, just the bottom of my pads, and that's how I became Skywalker. Gotcha. And it's, it's interesting how things kind of just attach to you and brand that's become a part of your brand. Talk to us about what was your experience like playing at the University of Texas? And, you know, what are some of the things that you really take away from your time there? Well, I'll tell you what, playing at the University of Texas was quite an experience. It was a fun time. I had great group of players, teammates, but it was also business. I mean, it was also tough having to go to school and and perform on the field because at that time, you know, we had football players that were running backs, AJ Jam Jones, that were really, really talented. So each day I had to have my A game. So with that, just the physical, the mental stress that it takes on a young kid like myself, who I expected to start and play my freshman year, it was really tough, but it was fun at the same time. I had great coaches. Like I said, I had great teammates and I was prepared, you know, physically and mentally. So something I want to ask about, as you were talking about how you have to bring your A game all the time, it's highly competitive in the business of football, whether you're at the collegiate level or you're playing in the league, right? And so when you look at, so the game of football has changed in many ways since when you were playing college football, not only in terms of the game itself, but also just in terms of the business and the environment that which student athletes play in today. When you look at that, like what are some of the big differences between your time as a college athlete versus what you see young men go through today while they're student athletes? Well, the biggest difference is, of course, the money. <laughs> the amount of money kids get paid these days just crazy to me. But when I was going to the university, we had a we had a laundry fee that we got monthly, which was probably less than 300 bucks. But just think that when I played at that time, it seemed to me that we were a lot more hungrier than the kids now because, you know, we weren't given the additional monies along with our scholarship. We weren't given the additional UIL was probably there, but really not existing. But we weren't given the monies to assist with day-to-day life as a college student. But I think we were more hungrier then than they are now because we wanted to get to that next level, which was the NFL. And getting to that level, we were, I think we were really, really, we had more determination possibly. And, but I definitely know that we were hungrier because we had not made it yet. And I think these kids now receiving that the additional UIL money, my hope is that they don't think that they've made it because they hadn't. I'm hoping that they can still have that hungriness that we had back then to be great and to do great things and to make it in the NFL because, you know, that's not guaranteed. Right. And I mean, NIL has certainly changed the landscape for sure with opportunities for kids to get paid in college, you know, branding partnerships, all kinds of different things. And social media has also changed the environment, changed the landscape. There's some good with that. There's some negatives with that as well. So when you look at the the pros and cons of social media and the impact that it's had on collegiate sports and being a student athlete, what do you think are some of the goods and the bads of that? Well, you know, I think social media is good, I mean, because it helps promote the player. I think some of the bad things is when kids get involved in social media to the point to where you start causing problems with teammates and you look to your phone 
at halftime, you know, you look in your phone and just try to decide or look and try to track what's going on on social media instead of paying attention to the coach because halftime is very important. But I just think that social media does help that individual to grow nationwide and it does put more eyes on that individual and possibly on his talent. But then, back then in the 80s when I was playing football, it was actions first. Speaking was not really necessary. We wanted to see what you could do on the field. And I, I'm just hoping that this UIL thing, and of course, social media is great, but I think the kids are, they need to be a little bit more hungrier than they are. And so when you look at your transition into the league, it's very different today than it, is, than it was back then, not only in terms of the draft itself. The draft is very publicized now. It's made for TV, as a lot of guys will say. But also the process of getting to the draft. Now you have trainers that do pre-combine training, and you know that wasn't quite the same back in the 80s. Right. Walk us through what your process was like going up to the draft. You know, what were you doing to ensure that you would be offered right, a place on a team? It is a profession. It is a job. So what were, what were things that you were doing to help increase your chances of being picked up by a team? Well, we didn't have the luxuries of having trainers and mental coaches and stuff like that when I was drafted. It was basically when Paul Tadibu, when he called your name on ESPN, it was basically, hey, I'll see you in two weeks. It was basically up to you as the player to make sure that you were in shape and that you were ready for, for this battle. So me, that was very, very, it was easy for me because I was very dedicated in working out and being the best and learning from the best. You know, there was the guys before me, all the top running backs. During training, I would always just kind of mimic some of the things that they did, but the most important thing was to be in shape, be conditioned, and of course be strong. But most importantly, understand and know your playbook because your playbook is given to you as soon as you as soon as you get to whatever team you're going to. But it was fun, but we didn't have we didn't have the luxuries of all the the benefits these kids have now. But we were very disciplined, and we knew where we wanted to get to, and we knew what it took to get there. So. It was it was good. It was good. And how aware were you or how prepared were you for the transition into becoming a professional football player? Because as you know, it's very different than being a student athlete. And, you know, people talk about how the speed of the game is different. People talk about how everyone is good at that level. But there's also this other side, which is it's a business, right? And yes, collegiate sports has become a business in its own, but it wasn't as much of a business back then. And but the NFL has always been a business. So how prepared were you or, like I said, aware that you were going into the business of being a pro athlete? You weren't. You weren't. You were not prepared because all you thought, just like coming out of high school and going to college, that it was another step forward. So you hear about it, but you never you were never prepared because when you get there, all your focus is on trying to make that team. And the business side is left to your agents to figure out and to deal with your focus was, you know, making the team and being a member. But as far as these kids now, they have classes and, and they're educated going into the league. And as you said earlier, you know, it seems faster place. It seems faster. The game seems faster because the pads that the kids are wearing now, but there's a lot involved in making the game today faster than it was then. 
Then I think it was more physical because of CTE and concussion protocols. You know, all that has, has changed. But as far as being prepared, there were no the preparation that we made. And I, and I could speak for most of the guys during that time before me was just making sure that you're physically strong, you're fast, you're mentally tough, and you know your playbook. That, those were the most important things back then. And what was the biggest eye-opening experience for you making that transition and seeing that this is actually a business, it's not just about playing football? The biggest eye-opening experience for me was having an eye injury and going to the hospital. At that time, it was Cerebrus Hospital in St. Louis. And then leaving the hospital and you know with major eye surgery, instead of leaving the hospital and going home, I went back to the training camp, which to me was crazy. I didn't understand that. But, but you know, we're like racehorses. And you know what? we got to get you back out there. So that was an eye-opener for me because we were treated. We were treated like, you know, like we were racehorses. And that's the business of the game. I mean, NFL, to me back then, was meant not for long because your day could end in a week or in a day or two weeks. So, yeah, they, the way you were treated as a, as a player was a lot different. I mean, you were treated like you were just on, living on borrowed time and you had to produce. And how do you think that's changed to fast forward to today's times? I think what's changed, what's helped that change is the money now that kids get before they sign and make the team, the upfront money. It wasn't as large as it is now. And to get that upfront money, you know, signing bonus, I mean, that money is, they've made an investment in you. So like a racehorse deal, they don't want that investment to get hurt or to be injured. So that large sum of money that you, that you get, I mean, Back then, you know, 500,000, 700,000, 300,000 signing bonus was nothing. And they could lose that and make that up by selling popcorn in the stands. But now when you sign for like 15, 20 million dollars at a signing bonus, I mean, you get that. That's yours. So they really, really, they're more watchful. They're more, they're more apt to make sure that you go home and get rest before returning back to the team. And I mentioned you played from 84 to 87. Like what was the most, memorable experience or memory that you'll take from your time playing in the National Football League? The most memorable time is, for me, the practices and training camp and seeing people like who scrimmage Chicago Bears in Mattoon, Illinois, and just seeing Walter Payton, seeing those guys, the greats, seeing how they moved during practice. I mean, although I was bigger, you know, 6'3", 225, but I was still fast, 9, 900-meter guy. But to see this little guy that I love watching, I mean, to see how coordinated everything was. And I will never forget that. I mean, that, that right there is special for me. Playing a game is playing a game. But when you get to, when you get to see people without the cameras and just in practice and to see, see things like that, that right there is long lasting for me. Love it. So something that I wanted to ask you that I ask a lot of people on the show is you've been you've been a competitive athlete for a long time, played multiple sports. When you look at the things that are necessary to be successful in life, there are a lot of lessons you can take from being a competitive athlete, right? And you know that my move the ball movement started because I wrote a lot about these lessons in my move the ball 
book and I share my perspectives on what I think the game of football can teach you. When you look at your time as a competitive athlete, what are some of the things that you've taken away from those experiences that you think have really helped to position you for success both on the field and off? That's a good question. Never taking no for an answer. You know, when someone says that I don't think you're right for the job or, or whatever reason, never take no. Accept what they say, but move forward, but don't stop competing. And most of all, being prepared, being prepared for what's out there. I mean, because like I said, we weren't prepared to go to the NFL, but being prepared in the business world, researching, studying, you got Google now and all that great stuff, but being prepared and just being a teammate. A teammate is very important that you're meeting people for the first time and getting to know them and creating a team effort because nothing gets done unless you're a team and just believing in one another. That's very, very important to me and trust because when you, when you become a teammate to me and you believe in them, that earns a trust. And with trust, it's hard to fail when you've got trustworthy teammates that you know that are going to make that block, that are going to make this deal. And that's really important to me. Yeah, I like everything that you bring up. And as I'm listening to you, uh, you made me think of a few things. I mean, first of all, you know, in my business, I do a lot of coaching and consulting and working with a lot of corporate professionals as well as athletes on their brands. And from the corporate standpoint, really helping people to differentiate and separate themselves from their competition, right? As they're looking to climb the ladder, get a new job, a higher paying job, whatever it might be. And so going, I'll hit on a couple of things you mentioned, like the, the team, it's not only about building relationships and developing trust, but it's bringing value. What value are you bringing to that team that people perceive is helpful, right? And so there, there's that piece of it. I really like the not taking no element of it as well, because maybe this job isn't the right one. And so that door's closed, but it's still remaining competitive, looking at how you can learn and grow from that. And then, you know, continuing to move on. I mentioned when I opened the show, I've got this new book coming out, Dominate the Game. There's a chapter in there that's called With or Without You is the title. It's really about there are people meant to be on the journey with you and there are others that are not, right? And so for those that are not, that doesn't mean that we stop because they're not with us. We just got to, you know, keep keep focusing on what we bring to the table, where we're trying to go and remaining competitive and the right doors will open. The ones that are meant to be open will be there for you. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. Everybody you meet out there, you may not get along with them, but you know what? It still shouldn't stop you from trying to get to where you want to get to. But yeah, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, I mean, I believe there's a time and purpose for every interaction that we have, whether or not that relationship continues for a long time or it's a very brief, you know, exchange. Like there's always some reason that has happened in our lives. So you need to take the lessons, take the reasons, take what you can glean from that and then move on and keep moving forward. Absolutely. I totally agree. Totally agree. So let's talk about your transition out of, the league. So the time has come, you've hung up those cleats, right? And it's time to figure out what's next. Was that a struggle for you? Or did you feel like you were prepared while you were playing for that next step? Well, it wasn't really a struggle for me because my parents, my dad was a graduated law at Baylor University. And my stepmother graduated as an English major at Baylor and went to SMU Law School. So I was pretty prepared for the business world because when I was young, you know, there was no going home. Uh, there was no ever going home. You were out there and you had to get it done. I mean, I had a, I had a stepfather that was really, really probably one of the best motivators that I've ever seen in my life. 
And I didn't know it as a kid that he was preparing me for success. And God bless him. I paid attention, but still being prepared. You know, there are going to be some ups and downs in the business world. But the most important thing, like I said, is you got to just keep moving forward. You got to keep seeing the positive in things because it ain't all black and white. It's you got to look through all the fog before you can get to the blue skies. <laughs> right. And so when you started that next chapter for you, what is what was that first next chapter for you after football? The first next chapter was getting into the car industry because during that time, the car industry was, was just amazing. So getting educated from some of the top dealers in Austin, Texas, that really helped me. And, and I understood wheeling and dealing of the automobile industry. And so that's the first thing I got into. But once that was moving along fine, I got involved in day trading, which is another different whole world. But taught me discipline and, and just helped help me get along, get through life. So when you look at your car business, I have a lot of people on the show that are either considering being an entrepreneur, business owner, or having a side hustle or whatever. What are some of the challenges that you faced when you were starting out? And then what lessons would you pass on to other people who are either thinking about starting a business, have just started? As you know, it's a roller coaster. Right. And so you know, what, what can you share there? Well, I can share that in the automobile industry back then, it was so lucrative. The most important thing that I would tell someone is that in getting into that business is to know the market and always get the right car. Don't just get cars out there because they look good. Get vehicles that will sell. And it depends on where you are and knowing the market. But make sure that you're a man of your word and try to make it simple. Keep it simple. For everyone, because all people are wanting at that time, I believe, was transportation, get back and forth to work, take care of their family. So, you know, just I was pretty easy, but don't be too easy because people will take advantage of you. But you'll know that. But the most important thing is just be honest and have the right product, have the right product for you. And I think that's important, whether it's a car or some other product that you're offering, right? Knowing the market and wherever you place, you've got to understand that landscape and the competitiveness and what products or services are going to serve the need and what aren't, right? So I think that's important. The other or two things that you said, one was, you know, be a person of your word, right? I mean, we know that relationships are so important and it's so much cheaper to acquire customers through referrals than spending advertising money, marketing dollars. You might have to do some of that depending on what industry you're in, but the relationships you have with people, if you take care of them and you deliver on what you say you are, then people are going to refer their friends and their colleagues. And so you should have no shortage of future customers. So that's important. The other thing I like that you said was about keeping it simple. There's a difference between being too easy, right? Letting people take advantage of you versus keeping it simple, meaning the process of doing business with you is not a headache. It's relatively smooth, right? And so, I mean, even like with, with my work, I'm always like, I, I know people are busy. And so I want to make sure that our time together is as effective as it can be. And I'm not putting additional burdens on my customers when I need them to give me inputs or things so as to for us to continue whatever it is that we're working on together. So And people remember that. They remember the experience of it, right? It's not just, oh, he was friendly. Oh, he was a person of his word. Those are important. But if they remember the transactional piece of it was simple too, that's part of the journey. And so they'll, again, refer their friends and colleagues, family, whomever, because of that whole experience. Yeah, I totally agree. That's 
that's the way it should be. I mean, simple is, is easy. When you keep it simple, like you said, you know, word of mouth, man. We didn't have that kind of advertising going on, but I would sell every car on the lot. So yeah, keeping it simple is, is, is great. So you ended up getting into consulting after, or you've been do, doing your day trading, you had your business. Like, why did you decide to go in the consulting world? Well, that was kind of like just a thing that was thrown at me uh, at the university, and they were thinking about expanding facility at the university, athletic facility at the university. And I got to talking with a lot of the contractors and the athletic director in charge of working with contractors and architects, engineers. So one thing led to another, and I signed on with Rosser International. They're out of Atlanta to help them with contracts at the University of Texas. And it was smooth. It was great. It was, it was a great learning experience. Uh, I learned a lot from it. That was just a deal where it, something just happened. It was just landed in my lap. And as always, I do things. I always pay attention and I always learn. I'm, I'm always learning. And at 60, 60 some odd years old now, I'm still learning. Yeah, that was a, that was a great venture. And it was fun. As you should be, by the way, still always learning, no matter how old or how young we are, I believe that we should be learning every day. Thank you so much. (laughs) So you are also the president of the NFL alumni chapter in Austin. Tell And that's a fairly newer role for you here this year. So tell us, how did you get into that? And then also just educate people on kind of what is the focus of an NFL alumni chapter? Yeah, this something that being the president of the NFL alumni Austin chapter I was a board member for the past 12, 13 years on the NFL alumni board that was created by Raul Allegra, who's the president before me. Our chapter was started by Jerry Sizemore back in the, I guess, early, early 80s with Doug English. Jerry Sizemore, of course, played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Doug played for the Detroit Lions. And they had a vision, and they were one of the first. And throughout my years of playing, playing in the league, I finished, I said, I want to give back. I want to give back. And I said, what's the way of giving back? And I said, well, I'll be on the board and I'll see what's going on. And I saw that we were giving back to a lot of charities, to a lot of unfortunate people. I like that. So I was enticed by some of the guys, you know, hey, Walker, you know, why don't you run for president? So I ran for president under Raul Allegra. And of course, November 24th, I became president. But the thing about me, the reason I I enjoy and I wanted to be president of course because I could really, really look and I could really research and I could really, you know, give back in a way that I could never have done, even by selling my cars to them. I mean, starting with the kids, our motto is caring for kids and caring for our own. But starting with the kids first, that's where it, for me, it starts with the mother, the parents, but kids, starting with them and, and making sure that their well being is being taken care of. That to me is very, very special. And I tell guys all the time, I say, you know, we are NFL players. We're college players before we're NFL players. And I said, guess who came to the game and had tickets to that game? Those kids and those parents. I said, we would never be who we are if it weren't for them. So it's not about the money anymore. What it's about is giving back in ways that we never received when we were kids. So I have really, really made this my number one job. I mean, a lot of guys become president and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just president of the NFL. I'm not. Just being president is not enough for me. My deal is to be president and make a difference in our community and, of course, around the country if I can. But 
I am very, very dedicated in this new venture in my life because Doug English, who was president before me, basically said to me, hey, Walker, you know, this is your legacy. What you do now is going to reflect on you forever. So I have reached out. We're doing so many things in the community, and we've got so much going on, and I'm excited about where we're going. And share with us, what are some of the upcoming projects or events that you have going on? Okay, well, we have a project in October where we're working with the Boys and Girls Club of uh, Eastern Williamson County. We've got some players that are going to participate in fundraising charity for the Boys and Girls Club. So we'll have a lot of NFL former players in a golf tournament to benefit these children. We also have, we just got finished with a wonderful bowling event for the Special Olympics out in Lakeway, which was amazing. I mean, to see the smiles in those kids' faces and just all the people for Special Olympics. I mean, those guys worked. Those girls and guys, they really hustled and worked to put things together. And I never knew that, but it was a great cause. We had several, several NFL alumni players there at this bowling tournament. But we've got a clay shoot this Friday the 9th, and it's a, a clay shoot benefiting Muscular District. And it's working with the Lions Club here in, here in Austin, Texas, which is huge. We've got so many other things going on. We've got the Super Bowl of Golf that is going to be happening next year. We've got so many things and so many great ideas and ways that we're going to be helping our community and surrounding areas. Well, I think that's great. And let people know, do you guys have a website or yes. what is that website so people can learn more about what you guys are doing? It's NFLalumni.org. And you can see what every chapter is doing. And if you scroll down, you look at Austin, Texas, see what we're doing. There's several guys. Lifford is the president of the Dallas chapter. They're doing amazing things. We're doing a hunger, a feed hunger deal now with the universities. I had no idea that college kids were in such need of food. And it just never dawned on me. Of course, being an athlete that's on full scholarship, you know, you never think about that. And this is something that I would love for us to, you know, tackle and assist these kids because these kids that are in these schools now, they're our future. So, you know, I want to do everything, you know, that I can do to help make them successful. Sure. And those are definitely great projects and great causes and you're making an impact and moving the ball. Absolutely. Moving the ball. That's right. (laughs) I will say a shout out to Lifford. Lifford Hobley is a good friend of mine. He does a fantastic job with the NFL alumni chapter there in Dallas. and. Yeah, he's definitely passionate about trying to give back and and make an impact. So shout out to Lippert. So what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Moses. Moses. (laughs) Interesting, interesting answer. (laughs) Next question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Fun, thorough, motivated. Three great words. What is one thing most people don't know about you? I'm blind in my left eye. Okay. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Falling. Okay. On the Pretty Woman. <laughs> nice. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? You now. Thank you. <laughs> book. Golly, I'm reading several books. I'm reading books on the current and former president. Okay. And then the last question is, you're hosting a dinner party, and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Wow. Let's see. I would want 
Mosley, Robert Mosley, senior from Magnum PI, because he was one of the first during my recruitment of finding an agent to represent me. I was in LA and he, he was really kind to me and he really gave me great direction. Of course, my mother. My mother was just a wonderful, wonderful spirit. And she was also my eyes and ears to success because she knew her John boy. And third, I would love to have Moses here. I mean, I, the biblical Moses, whether he existed or not, I, I would love to have him and to just feel what I've read about and just be the person he was. Sure, great three choices. And um, one other question. Do you sing in the shower? Um, yeah. <laughs> so the follow-on is when people say that you're good. My wife thinks I sing pretty good. <laughs> okay, that's important. Glad the wife thinks so. Well, Johnny, as we look to close the show, any last thoughts for our listeners? All I'd like to say is that love your podcast. And I think that, you know, what you're doing is great. Having players on your show to move the ball is amazing because living life is all about moving the ball, man. And you got to move it. You got to, you got to score. You got to score. And you got to, you got to look to score on everything. I mean, and then when you, when you get in there and you get involved, you got to give it your all. Always be positive. I like what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. And thank you again for being on today's episode. You are welcome. You're welcome. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's show. Once again, if you have not already done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And also share the show with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. Once again, go check out all the show notes. There's links to the NFL alumni so you can learn about all the great things all the chapters are doing, as well as our links to my Move the Ball book a link to the new book, Dominate the Game, a link to the Move the Ball merchandise collection with the new fall collection out. So get some gear and so many more things. So go check out those things and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.